For the second time this week, second time, two time, two time, we're back this week for the second show. This time we're gonna be talking about some tight end rankings. We talked about quarterback rankings last, what was it, Tuesday night? Now we're back talking tight end rankings. Another really fun topic. Uh, so with that, you know, and then next week we're gonna be jumping to the running backs. But this week we're doing tight ends. But with that, you can follow me on Twitter, Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat Thirteen. You can follow Cody at C FF. What is going on tonight? Nothing, man. Uh, excited. We're going to be talking about the hotness, the, the the position that everybody just loves so much, and the the position that's always flying up the draft boards, the the super hot, super hot tight ends. But I, I realized when I was listening back to some podcasts and videos and whatnot, I never ask you how you're doing, man. So you, you tell me how are, how are you? Thank I, you I for always, asking. Always, I've been waiting for a really long time for that. You know. <laughs> I, I feel like I've, I've been neglecting you, man. I'm sorry. How, yeah. how are you? you? You tell me what's going on. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. So uh, uh, it's almost Friday. So th- that is a positive for sure. So I'm happy to hear that or happy that that, that is coming. So uh, we're getting closer to that. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, you know, we actually had some NFL news today too, right? Uh, Super Bowl champion, former Super Bowl champion, Josh Gordon applied for reinstatement. It is like Groundhog Day. It is literally this time every year that we start getting Josh. Is the... Uh... Is the hype ever going to stop? Like, like when does like the hype and the hope? When does that end? What, like, when do we move on from this? Or is this just going to be a reoccurring thing? I don't know. I guess as long as we make it a thing, I suppose, right? Because <laughs> he was uh, what? I mean, he's twenty nine now. I mean, he's not. He's not. He's still not that old, right? I mean, there's there's wide receivers that are certainly older than he is in the league, and I don't know. Like he said, I guess his drug relapse last year had to do with his brother dying and stuff like that. So right. It's just, I don't know, people that have listened to the show for a while know I've always been a Josh Gordon truther and uh, ever since the beginning, but, and I, I still hope he does. I, I would love to see him, you know, uh, get everything together and actually, uh, you know, maybe finish out a complete season without getting suspended. Yeah, the, uh, the, the other piece of news was Debo Samuel, broken foot, should be ready for the, the beginning of the season or he shouldn't miss too many weeks from, from everything we're seeing, but it is the, uh, the Jones fracture which has a uh, which has a lengthy history and a high probability of of a reaggravation or re-injury needing some some more time off. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Does that make you for redraft leagues? Does that make you any more interested in Brandon Ayuk? Or would you be looking at Jalen Hurd? Or are you kind of just George Kittle and stay away from everything else? Yeah, I think it's what it's going to end up doing is it's going to actually, Brandon Ike is actually going to probably move up draft boards a little bit more. Basically, almost going undrafted right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. So I think you see him go a little bit higher. Uh, it, it does say that uh, even if I think that I saw somewhere that after about 10 weeks, the chance of re-injury is only 10%. 
you put that 10 weeks on, it's really right before the season starts. So I think there's enough time for him to... Now, the thing is, is, is he going to be ready to go right out the gate? And I would probably say no. I would say at the very least, he is going to have to be worked back in slowly. The fact that there, there's still the possibility, depending on how things go with this, because last year, Trent Taylor, who was his teammate, got this very same injury right around this time. He ended up going back in because uh, to get it checked out, and then it was actually infected, so they had to re- kind of redo the whole thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things. Uh, Julio Jones had the same injury back, I mean, you know, hell, I mean, I was reading, I was looking up on it because I wanted to know a little bit more uh, when it happened with Julio, and that was back when Roddy White was still in the league. So it's been a while since that's happened to him, but I think just for this year, I just think it lowers Debo Samuel a little bit because there is going to be that, that opportunity for a re-injury. The, uh, the pro tip in Dynasty Leagues is go out and make offers for Debo if, uh, if he is not currently on your team. Take that, take that injury discount and, uh, and run with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is still a very run-heavy run offense anyway. Uh, George Kittle is clearly you know, still in play and probably helps him out a little bit more. But the rest of the offense, you know, I do think Jalen Hurd is kind of an interesting uh, prospect to at least monitor this year. Uh, never really got never got an opportunity last year, but heading into this year, I think that he's somebody that to monitor because there is the possibility that he could wind up the year starting on the pup. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's enough time for him to rehab and everything. The only thing that I was wondering is because of like a lot of the COVID stuff that's still going on. That a lot of there's there's still hospitals that aren't kind of operating at full max and everything else. I don't know if that's how that is in California. I'm sure there's other places around the country where they're able to do that. It was just something that entered my mind whenever it happened uh, with, with, with everything that's going on that uh, would it be harder for him to get the surgery otherwise, but I doubt it. I'm sure everything will be fine with that as well. And uh, money also talks, so... That is true. That is that that is true. The power of the the NFL. Anyways, I don't know. Th- that'll be something that we definitely need to monitor over the next couple of weeks or next over the next month or so, next month and a half to really get a better idea. We know that he's going to miss training camp, but I don't know. We'll see. So uh, with that, so why don't we just go ahead and jump into what everybody came here for, and that's the tight end rankings, right? I mean, that's hot. Ooh. Let's just Ooh. kick this thing off, just much like we did last uh, on the quarterbacks, and uh, let's take a look at our top 12 uh, tight ends, shall we? All right, so let's just go ahead. We're going to kind of do these just like we did the quarterbacks this time, you know, the consensus rankings here of where we came out. Obviously, our rankings differ. You have some guys in there that uh, really, uh, I was like, ooh, that's spicy. Like, I feel like I have one guy that's like super spicy, but yours like are like just coming in with uh, the ghost pepper flames with, with some of your guys. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be sure to hit on some of those. But let's just go ahead and start it off. I think everybody's tight end one is Travis Kelsey for me it's really the big three right it's Kelsey Kittle and Mark Andrews I think Zach mm-hmm. Ertz has kind of fallen to that tier below for me but for me I think it's still Travis Kelsey number one he's been the tight end one four straight seasons uh last year he had 14 tight end one weeks he was first or tied for first in fantasy points per game with George Kittle he had received 24 percent of the targets he ran a route on 85.4% of his snaps, 136 targets was first. He was second in deep targets, finished with 1,200 yards, six touchdowns. So the dude is a monster. He's just now turning 31. It doesn't really worry me with tight ends. I still think that he has at least another two or three elite seasons left in him. Uh, He's really been somebody that really has never really dealt with too many injuries. So he was also second in missed tackles force, and he had the most catches for first downs or or touchdowns. Uh, combined, uh, which was 71, which is an interesting fact to keep in mind considering the Scott Fishbowl is coming up and you get points for first down. So Yeah, we, we, we don't have to dive any any further into, into Travis Kelsey. You got QB1 throwing to tight end one. 
It's the, the other guys who are going to be below this are, are in more run heavy offenses. I mean, outside of Burt's obviously, but the next, the next two of our, of what make up our top tier of the tight ends, uh, just going to be more opportunity coming Kelsey's way and probably more, more touchdowns and more points as well. So I yeah, think we so, can, uh, I mean, even, even George Kittle, I mean, I think there, there could be some people that have George Kittle ahead of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, you know, he's 27 or about to be 27. So like I said, 15.9 fantasy points per game. I mean, they're, they're, they're both elite options, right? I don't think yeah. we need to really spend too much time discussing either one of them. Both of them command heavy target shares on their offense. The one I, I do think is someone in talking about Mark Andrews, because I really wouldn't be surprised if Mark Andrews finished as the tight end one this year. Because of, if you look at his numbers last year, like he was super efficient last year. He only played 43% of the snaps. He only ran a route on 55% of his snaps, which is pretty low. And then he only had, but he did have 98 targets, 20 deep targets, which was third. And he did command 24% of the targets in that offense. And he had 13.8 fantasy points per game. I think there's still room to grow here with this. Um, now, especially with Hayden Hurst gone, that vacates 40 of those targets that was there. I think Nick Boyle is still there, but he's more of that blocking inline tight end. But I think for Mark Andrews, I think he really can command. Uh, I think that that target share could go up and maybe end up somewhere in close to the vicinity of George Kittle uh, being at 28 per that that 28 percent target share. I think probably looking at somewhere in the range of he's had 64 receptions. I think you could see that 70 to 80 reception mark for him over a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns. So I think there is room for Mark Andrews still to grow here. I think so as well. Um, the the touchdowns are, are high for the amount of yards he had. Right, only 852 yards, 10 touchdowns. To put that in perspective. Uh, Kittle had 1,300 yards last year and only five touchdowns. I mean, two years ago, 1,300 yards, only five touchdowns. And then last year in 2019, he had over 1,000 yards again, but only five touchdowns again in 2019. So, And the the thing to – I still think Andrews is going to be the centerpiece of that passing offense. But the thing to to monitor and watch out for is the fact that uh, Hollywood Brown – I uh, was coming off of that foot injury going like right into the season last year. So if he's healthy and uh, he takes another step forward, you know, maybe eats into some of that target share. But I still think that Andrews is going to be the uh, the number one target for the for the Ravens. I completely agree on that. So, so the, those are our top three. I think that's pretty much everybody's top three. There might be some people have Zach Ertz, uh, you know, maybe ahead of one of these guys, but I just can't do it. Even though, I mean, everything looked really good for Zach Ertz last year. He had ninety percent of the, he played ninety percent of the snaps. He played almost thirty percent of the snaps from the slot. Eighty-two percent, six deep targets, uh, almost twenty-four percent of the targets, fourteen point two fantasy points per game, eighty-eight receptions, nine hundred and sixteen yards, six touchdowns. Like, so there was a lot to like with him. However. Uh, he only had nine tight end one weeks, which is, I mean, it's not terrible, but he also had five tight end two weeks. And I think that something that's going to affect him is the fact that Dallas Goddard is there. And it's going to be interesting to see now that once all the other t- weapons are back, now Jalen Rager added to the mix. Mm-hmm. And then you have when Alshon returns, Deshaun Jackson, if he can stay healthy. Like, I don't think the targets are going to be there for Zach Ertz. And for me, that's why I am dropping Zach Ertz because he's not somebody that's so much of a deep threat. He kind of plays that under, you know, that underneath middle and, you know, he's a big red zone target but i think that dallas goddard also eats into that and i think that is my problem with zach Ertz. i i still like zach Ertz, you know the player i still think that he could be solid but i just think that there he just does not for me belong in that same tier anymore at least this year with mark andrews george kittle and travis kelsey yep i agree that our, our top four here are going to be pretty pretty boring to listen to for the tfa fan that's listening because i think we're just kind of parroting each other and, and agreeing with each other but 
I mean, there, there really isn't much else to add there. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the targets and all the other pieces that are coming in. And then let's not forget if Dallas Goddard takes another step forward, um, you know, apparently really liked in that locker room and within that team. So if, if he takes that step forward, Ertz really hasn't been improving or climbing. He's just been steady across the board, which has been obviously that's been awesome for fantasy purposes, but if Goddard starts to climb up a little bit, if Rager gets involved, like you said, Djax, Alshon, all those guys, uh, let's not forget RB1 this year, Miles Sanders also going to be heavily involved yes. in that uh, yes. in that passing game. So hashtag nuts on the table. There we go. We got to bring it out. You know, you got to let him know. You got to pull. You got to pull him out every Just, once in a while. Yeah. You know, we we got to get a drop for that or something like that for the nuts on the table. <laughs> All right. So let's just move on. All right, let's just keep this thing moving. There's no reason to be um, dragging us on. So let's go to Evan Ingram, right, which is very volatile, right? The dude played eight games last year, 11 the year before. However, when he plays, the dude is strong, right? He played eight games last year, played 83% of the snaps, 23% from the slot, ran a route on 80% of his snaps, 68 targets, 22% target share, commanded 25% target share inside the red zone, 13.7 fantasy point, points per game. The writing on the wall, though, is or the, the, the big elephant in the room always with him is can he fucking stay healthy for once, right? Can we get full 16 games out of Evan Ingram? Because I think if he can, like, he's a lock for a top five tight end. Super athletic tight end. Everything's there. It's just he's never been able to stay healthy, and, and can he do it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's all it is. Um his rookie year, he was tight end for uh, 15 games his rookie year. Then I think it went down to like 11 or 13 the year after that. Last year, though, um, he only appeared in eight games, and he still only finished 12 points away from the the tight end 12, who was Mike Gusecki, just 12 points away from him and only played half a season. So he did like – theoretically, he doesn't even have to play – I mean, even if he gets us to 12 or 13 games, like he can still give us a tight end one season just based off of his athleticism and, you know, how good he is when he is on the field. But that's the thing. You never know when he's going to be healthy, when that injury is going to come or if it comes. So that's a, that's the thing with him. Um, right now he is coming off of the, coming off of draft boards at seven Oh five as tight end seven. So Man, that, that's what do you think about that price? Are, are you going to be willing to take that gamble at that price? You're going to wait a little bit. What, what would you be doing at, at seven hundred five? Because to me, that's kind of like that point where it's that's not a huge risk to take. But if you're taking him as your tight end one, like you better follow that up. Not relatively soon, but you better like if you take him as your tight end one, you still have to be keeping in the back of your mind like, okay, is this the round that I take my tight end two just in case? It's kind of he's turned into a little bit like Jordan Reed, right? Um, in, in a way that if he can't stay healthy, but I don't hate that ADP. I don't think that's crazy for me. I just I don't know. We've talked about it a lot lately, but I, it feels like the tight end position is super deep this year. Like it just to me, like when I was like I got down to like the nineteenth, twentieth guy. I was like, man, I could move this guy up to like twelve if I, you know, like like that's how strongly I feel about a lot of these late round tight ends. So I just don't feel the need to take you know Evan Ingram there. Um, so I probably wouldn't do it uh, unless it's like a tight end premium league or something. But obviously, in that case, he's going to be going higher. But right. I just think the the risk there is probably not worth the reward. Yeah, I agree. Like, like I said, that's that's that spot where it's just like, is do you want to do that? 
It's just it's just like something about it doesn't feel right. Like, ah, it feels like I'm going to let somebody else do it. Like I like him. I'm going to rank him as tight, a top 5 tight end. But I'm going to let somebody else take him cuz I'm not going to I'm not going to mess with that risk. But if he stays healthy, he could easily like I said smash that and be a you know top three or four tight end so all right let's move on to the next one. now this is where we really start getting different in all of our in all of our rankings where it starts to get pretty dramatic on, on some of them so let's move on to number six i have hayden hurst at tight end 10 you have hayden hurst at tight end six now with him this is basically we're assuming some here with him because he's never had a breakout year Obviously, because of Mark Andrews there in Baltimore, but they traded him to Atlanta over the offseason. Now, he, he steps into a role that is 111 of, um, uh, targets that are now um, that are now gone. Over, I think it's 257 total targets were uh, are gone now from that offense from last year. And obviously, Todd Gurley is going to take some of that with, with his coming in and now Hayden Hurst. But can you realistically feel like that you think he's going to come right in and command 100, 110 targets? 110 probably not but i mean like i don't i don't think he has to that he necessarily has to get to 110 uh, over the last 2 years hooper averaged 92 targets uh 73 catches 723 yards and five touchdowns again that's over the past two seasons uh you mentioned the the amount of targets that that atlanta's missing obviously Gurley's going to get some but last year i think freeman had 70 and that number kind of Kind of surprised me. I didn't. I didn't think he he had that many over the course of the year. But just between Hooper, Freeman, and Mohamed Sanu, that was two hundred and nine targets. So obviously there, there's enough to go around. Ridley's going to get a bump. Julio's going to stay where where he's always been. Gurley was going. Gurley will be involved. That's that's still plenty enough targets if he can get to even like that ninety-ish range, and he can provide us with. I mean to. Let's be honest. To be a tight end one, you really don't need to do that much. Like I said, uh, last year, Ingram was only 12 points away from having a tight end one season. He only played eight games. So if it, if Hurst can even get 70% of what that production has been for Hooper the past two, uh, the past two years, he's easily going to have a tight end one season. And like you said, man, like there's so many guys that like – I've every time I opened up the the fantasy pros like ranking platform, I ended up moving like twelve guys up and down from like nine down to fifteen, fifteen up to twelve. Like it, so they've been all over the place. But I, I do believe that just going into that situation, like you're not gonna typically you're not gonna move teams like that and just step into a situation that's gonna be so good. So I I do believe that he ends up finishing as a as a mid tight end one. And I feel uh, I feel pretty confident in that. How high would he have to go for you to be out on Hayden Hurst? So if he started going like the eighth round, would you be out, dude? Uh, he he is going one pick after Evan Ingram right now, according to uh, fantasy football calculators. So Ingram was going at seven oh five. Hayden Hurst is going at seven oh six. Oh no! Okay, well I had seven oh six. Uh, I was super. I was super surprised to see that. I, I definitely was not. I definitely was not expecting that. I thought uh, basically well, one thing to remember with I will say with fantasy football calculator is they go off of like the last three to five days. I think it is of their number. You know, it, it doesn't take much for one of these guys to really start to uh, move up quickly. Um, he is somebody that a lot of people are really high on. I like Hayden Hurst. I have him ranked tenth. Um, you have him ranked sixth. But I do think they're. I think it's in the seventh round. I I don't think I can. I wouldn't mess with that. Like that that takes out the upside. Last year, like for Correct. for a good example, Austin Hooper 
was going like tenth, eleventh round. Yeah, he was double. Which is why we loved him so much because like all offseason we couldn't figure out. Like the dude had what ninety two targets. He had like all, like sixty or seventy receptions. Like there was so much mm-hmm. to like about Austin Hooper, but he just was never moving up into, into the ADP. So he was such an easy guy to get in the tenth, eleventh round. But if he's going on the seventh, like no thanks. Like I can't mess with that. Something that's still that volatile. There's no guarantee that he's going to get that huge of a target share. Like I like his upside a lot. But at the same time, there's still stuff to, you know, there's still red flags there. They did move on from him. You know, we'll see if he can come in in year one and, and command that kind of target share um, in this offense. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, like I, I was definitely surprised to see that uh, Fantasy Pros consensus rankings has him at tight end 13, which is kind of what I was expecting to see with um, like reflecting his ADP as well. Uh, according to Best Ball Tens, he's he has an ADP of one hundred nine point four six. So he seems to be going a little later in uh, in the Best Ball Tens ADP over this over the same course of time versus yeah. So tight end ten for uh, for Best Ball Tens ADP. So th- I, I I definitely found that found that to be interesting. So at that point, I I don't think I would draft him there because if you draft him at that point, you're basically saying that. He is one thousand percent just going to be Austin Hooper, and I don't I don't necessarily think that his production might pan out that way, but he's definitely stepping into a situation where he where he has that opportunity to do so. And with the tight end position, especially, that's what I'm going to be I'm going to be chasing. I'm going to be chasing the opportunity and the the available targets there. I agree. So, all right, so let's let, let's go ahead and move on to Jared Cook. We have him at tight end seven. I'm at nine. You have him at seven. So again, with Jared Cook, like I feel like I can move him up a little bit too. But it's interesting with him because, I mean, he was another guy that was super, super fucking efficient last year. He only played 55% of the snaps. He did miss some games, but he only ran around on 58.2%. But he only got 68, 65 targets, averaged 4.6 targets per game, nine deep targets, only a 13.5% target share. However... He finished with 12 fantasy points per game, 43 receptions, 705 yards, five touchdowns. His 16.4 yards per reception was first in the league. And his 10.8, he was also at 10.8 yards per target. And he had 10 straight weeks last year of tight end one, um, of being a tight end one. So, like, he was super, um, super efficient, fourth in fantasy points per route, and also or fourth in fantasy points per route and, and first in uh, fantasy points per target last year. He averaged 2.58 fantasy points per target. The guy was super efficient last year, um, really started to come on more when Drew Brees returned, but like I said, he missed a little bit of time. But Jared Cook is somebody that I know a lot of people like this offseason as well. Like, Where do you come in on him? Yeah, around that same range. I think the thing that uh, held him back last year and why his numbers weren't uh, weren't as high as they could have been is he kind of had that late season surge, you know, kind of like a, a junior Tyler Higby, if you will. Obviously, to not not to the same extent, but didn't really pick up in terms of his production until until week ten, uh, six for seventy four against Atlanta. Then he had like a six for ninety nine, a touchdown, three for eighty five. So. Is that going to be there for the whole year? Obviously, with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, now they finally have a legitimate wide receiver too down there as well. But I, I was, I was a little surprised to see with Manny Sanders that he only had, I think, like was on the on the outside for seventy two percent of his snaps. I kind of, you know, just he seemed to me like he would have been a, a heavier slot guy. So if they're going to keep kind of put him in that same role and be more willing to move Michael Thomas inside. That's not going to take away from Jared Cook, you know, those uh, intermediate uh, targets over the middle. So 
if Drew Brees can be what he's been in terms of his, we you know, we talked about it on Tuesday and kind of why I'm a little lower on him. He's going to need to keep up that accuracy because I think the attempts are going to come down. But obviously that's still going to be a good offense no matter what because of how efficient Drew Brees is going to be. And like like we've been talking about and the whole theme for tight end is, is he going to be able to produce the touchdowns to keep him in that tight end one conversation? And with as much as they can move the ball and with the with the weapons they have, I think he will be able to. But I'm not going to be drafting him until until a little later. Yeah, I mean, I like Jared Cook, and um, it showed, it showed just how efficient he was uh, last year. So I, I don't know. Like I, I have no problem with taking him. He is going tight end eleven at ten oh two. And see, that is like to me, that's like a slam. Like, give me that all day. Like, I'll like I'll take Jared Cook in the tenth round all day if I feel fine about it. You know, if he doesn't last the whole year, fine. I'll pick up somebody else. But in that offense, I still think that he has the opportunity to be the number two target in that offense. He did miss games last year, so I think he probably would end up being much more closer to you know probably eighty. You know. What about maybe around 80 targets, something like that last year, maybe around eight, 900 yards. So depending on how things planned out. So I really like Jared Cook, especially at that tight end 11 ADP, you know, in the 10th round. So uh, let's go ahead and jump over to our, our next uh, contestant here. And that is Darren Waller. Yeah, now, man, again, I, I, want, I want you to go. I want you to go first on this one because you have him ranked as tight end five and I have him outside of my top 12. So. Uh, you know, wh- whisper a little bit. T- tell me about Mister Mister Waller here. Well, I mean, the dude was a monster last year, right? And we know he's an athletic freak. He's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. Um, and he kind of came out of nowhere. But he, I mean, he, I, I should say he came out of nowhere because I know he was somebody that we were uh, really excited about last year. But anyways, he commanded 90, 90% snap share, played 15% on the slot, 76.3 route participation, which was fourth best. Is 117 targets, averaged 7.3 targets per game, 11 deep targets, 24% target share, 17.5% of the red zone targets, and 13.8 fantasy points per game. There's a lot to like about that. He had 1,100 yards, only three touchdowns. I think there's some, some positive regression coming his way in terms of the touchdown department. And... And you look at what they added. Yes, they added Henry Ruggs, but he's not a he's not a guy that you're worried about in terms of I think volume at least um, year one. I don't think he's somebody that's going to eat into Darren Waller's uh, target share. And they know that Derek Carr likes to likes to check down, and I think Darren Waller is that perfect safety valve for him. And so I, I don't think Darren Waller's target share is going to drop that much. I mean, I think it's possible that it drops. Uh, from the 117, but I still think he comes in somewhere close to 100 targets. And if he does, I mean, he was still really efficient, 12.7 yards per reception, which was sixth best in the league. Um, 57.9 contested catch rate, which was also first in the league. So there's still lots of like with Darren Waller, and I still think there's some some room to grow here. I don't, I'm not first seeing 1100 yard. Um, receiving season again. I think maybe it comes in a little closer to maybe eight, 900 yards receiving. I think that's still certainly possible, but maybe up that target or that touchdown number a little bit to, to really kick things up a little bit. So I still like Darren Waller. I still think that he's one of those more safer options. And I know they signed Jason Witten, but that really doesn't scare me. Jason Witten is dust. And so I, I don't know. Like I think with everything combined, like I said, the, the, I know they added Henry or Henry Ruggs, but that's the, and and Brian Edwards, but it doesn't scare me that much. I still think Darren Waller is probably the leader in targets here, and this looks much more like the San Francisco situation where he is going to continue to be that target hog. Okay, okay. I mean, the, the, I was kind of looking at that as more of a more of a necessary evil for him to be to be that involved. I mean, obviously the dude is an athletic freak being at his size, you know, 6'6", 250, ran a, ran a 4'4", 6", which is just, which is just absurd. 
But Tyrell Williams was banged up. They thought they were going to have Antonio Brown. That obviously did not pan out. And with you know the, the additions they made, if Tyrell Williams can be healthy, like I think there's just going to be more, more like more targets that are going to be viable, you know, for for uh, for Derek Carr. Even though he does like to check down, I think we're all expecting or at least hoping that Josh Jacobs is going to be more involved in the passing game. So maybe he becomes a little bit more of that that underneath target. Then you, I mean. Brian Edwards, you know, got to, got to give it up for for that guy there, and I I think he could play that that big underneath role as well. So that that to me is why I have him lower than this. But again, this is one of those things where, I, like, there's not going to be too many rankings outside of like tight end two that I'm going to look at and be like, no, nah, man, you're crazy. I can't get behind that just because of how like outside of you know we kicked it off at the beginning of the show outside of the top four. After you get past four, the whole thing can can go in the air. But um, for for me, for Waller, like I said, I think last year was just a case of they like literally just didn't have any other viable targets with Williams being banged up, no A B like they were expecting, and then the the additions they made. Um, I, I just I, I I don't see the the opportunity coming for him the way that I can see uh, the opportunity for some of the guys I have ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, for me, I just feel like I think that. I think his role is a little bit more solidified than some of these other guys, but I don't know. So let, let's let's move on to the next one, and that is our tied in nine. Now this one is a little bit tougher for me as well because mm-hmm. Tyler Higby, I have met tied in twelve. You have met tied in eight. I could probably again move him up to probably somewhere on tied in six. Like <laughs> I really like so so. That, but there there are certain things that hold me back from Tyler Higby. Right, one of it is that he didn't do anything really until the last five weeks of the season last year. Yeah, uh, for Tyler Higby, he only played sixty six percent of the snaps, ran around on forty five percent of those uh, of those snaps, and then eighty nine targets, seven deep targets, fifteen point nine percent target share, eleven point five fantasy points per game, sixty nine receptions, seven hundred forty three yards, three touchdowns. Right now, here is the thing: over the final five weeks, he was tied in one over that span with one hundred and seven fantasy points, which accounted yeah. for sixty five percent of his total fantasy points for the year over those la- was those last five weeks of the year. So that's essentially where all of his upside came from. Now, Gerald Everett was hurt during most of that, and Gerald Everett is definitely the more athletic tight end, profiles much more as a receiving tight end. I think Gerald Everett might be a little bit more involved than people think. Now. Could, could they go to more 12 personnel, which they've talked about, which is what they kind of did last year because of the fact? But I feel like if they did that, and with Gerald Everett on the field, I think that opens things up more for Gerald Everett than it would for Tyler Higby because they would probably ask Tyler Higby, who's a much better pass-blocking pass tight end than what Gerald Everett is, to ask him to, to block, which is what Tyler Higby's always been kind of known for up to this point. So I think there is, I, one, I think Gerald Everett probably by most and even by me is probably under like should be ranked higher than what that he is because i think there's still a scenario where gerald everett because if you remember heading into last year in ports of last year it looked like gerald everett was the breakout tight end right and people were really excited about him and he he is also a very athletic tight end and i think at some point we might be overlooking gerald everett and his involvement in this offense and might be overplaying our hand with tyler higby and so that is what concerns me with Tyler Higby. That's why I, I moved him down to 12. 
just because I think there is certainly some uh, uncertainty there with him. What he is going, he's going to tight end nine in eighth round, according to fantasy football calculator. And then the, among consensus, he is eighth, uh, according to fantasy pros, which is just too high for me for somebody that only has five weeks of production. Yeah, he was he was one I struggled with in terms of ranking because I have all of the same concerns. It's it's really uh, it's really odd how basically the entire fantasy community is just like pushing Everett aside, even though he was the one who started off the season. The like, if you would see if you were just to put Everett's numbers up top from you know weeks one to ten before he got injured, and then just see like Rams tight end week 13 to 16 when Higby blew up, you'd be like, oh, man, that was that's pretty sick. Everett came back, and he, you know, I mean, he really took off there at the end of the year. Obviously, even Everett's peaks didn't amount to the absurd, absurd run that Higby had at the at the end of the season, especially to carry you through your fantasy playoffs. But Everett was tight end six uh, once, once he got a little bit more involved in week four. From week four to ten, he was tight end six on the season. So, like you said, I think we're all expecting that they move to a little bit more 12 personnel. Obviously, Cooks is gone. That basically just leaves um, Woods and Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. Both of these tight ends are guys that I think I would prefer to have in best ball situations where I don't have to try and figure out what week to start them, especially if they go to to have your 12 personnel, because I think that's going to be the case of I, I could easily see this being, you know, Two weeks in a row, it's Higby. Then Everett is the one who outproduces him for the next two or three weeks. And it just keeps going back and forth like that. Either that or they just vulture each other the entire year and they kind of just, you know, cancel each other out and they just stay in the, you know, back end, tight end one on a, on a week-to-week basis. So this is, this is going to be a really interesting situation to watch. And it's, uh, you know, this would be a situation where it, was, it would be helpful to have all of the – training camp news and everything else coming out to see how these guys are being used during, you know, I mean, during camps and OTAs and all that. So this is just going to have to be going to have to be a situation to watch. Um, you know, you already mentioned the, the ADP for Higby going at 801. And that's again, same thing with, with Hayden Hurst. If, if you're taking Higby at 801, you are counting on him being the guy that we saw over the past four to five weeks of the season in 2019 compared to you know how how sparingly he was used at the beginning of the year because if you just look at the the routes that he ran uh starting at week one it was 12 3 23 15 6 7 9 7 and then starting in weeks 12 and 13 that's where it jumped up and he ended up finishing with 17 29 22 44 33 and 35 routes run to finish out week 17 so it's um that, that this is a, a situation where I had I had a uh, had a difficult time ranking him, but I guess I'm kind of just kind of just buying into the fact that of the peaks for Higby were higher and sustained than they were for Everett. Does that carry over? I mean, it, it remains to be seen. But if if anyone wants to skip out on Higby's price at at that 801, I wouldn't blame them one bit. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. I think there's so many other factors that go into that. And to be honest with you, I'd rather just if I have, you know if I want to take a second tight end or something, I would just take a shot later on Gerald Everett, and because he's, I mean, I think Gerald Everett's pretty much free right now. I think for most leagues he's going to go undrafted. 
and I think that couldn't be a mistake. But you're right. I think this is something that we're going to have to monitor through the offseason to see how this is going to shake out because I don't think it's as clear-cut as people think that it's going to be. Let's move on to number 11, and that is the 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 big hot name of Mike Gusecki, right? Uh, super athletic tight end. He's somebody as well that kind of took a while to get going last year, but once he did, it was fantastic. Um, ran almost 70%. He had a 70% snap share, ran around on 71.6% of the time, 89 targets, 13 deep targets, 15.3 target share, ended up with 51 receptions, 571 yards, five touchdowns, and then finished with 11.2 yards per reception and 6.4 yards per target. Now, things really started getting going with him. Five of his last six games, he was... uh, he uh, scored. He was among the tight end ones and scored all five of his touchdowns over those last five, five of his six last games. Right, so he was somebody that was kind of a late, late bloomer. Now, with everything considered, I, I think Mike Kosicki is still a solid option. I think there's clearly room for him to grow. I think to be a more consistent option in this offense. I do think this offense actually takes a little bit of a step forward this year. Uh, we'll see what happens with Ryan, we, you know, with having Ryan Fitzpatrick there. That is fantastic. He is likely the two number two or number three target in this offense behind Devontae Parker and possibly Preston Williams. I think there's still lots of like here with Mike Kosicki and I, I, I really like targeting him in those middle rounds. I mean, right now, 13th round seems a little ridiculous to me. Uh, I think he's somebody that should probably be going in that 10th, 11th round range. So if he continues to go in 13th I don't think it's going to happen I think that is going to move up considerably and I think you do start seeing him go in the 10th 11th round once we get to August and I'm still okay with yeah even at that price I'd still be buying too but I I think it is possible that he stays a little bit lower just because you know obviously his his rookie year I leave it to Adam Gase to take someone who me and you could sit down and watch and be like, oh, this this guy can't really block, but he's super athletic. You should probably just make him like a, a move tight end. Leave it to Adam Gase to be like, you know what? Let's put him in on the line and make him learn how to block. That's that's what we're gonna do here. But obviously, with the, the with the coaching changes, they they basically came, come out and said that they're looking at him as a as a more of like a slot receiver as that move tight end piece. And you know, we're, we've kind of been talking about people just buying into what, what they've seen recently. And Devontae Parker is another guy who falls in, who falls into that where it's just like, oh, well, there's, there's that one year. It only took five years to get here, but we're, we're buying in, and this, this is how it's going to be going forward. So if he falters a little bit, if you know Preston Williams, as much as we like him, and I, I do like him as a late-round uh, late wide receiver target, if, you know what I mean, if, if he was a little bit of a flash in the pan, which I don't think he was, Gasecki could be looking at being like a centerpiece of this passing offense. You know, I mean, if, if things go like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Fitzpatrick and how fast they try uh, they try to bring two along and, uh, you know, to see how uh, how early he's ready. Because I do think for fantasy purposes that Fitzpatrick might be the the guy that we want as the as the quarterback, right? But um th- this is so far this has probably been my favorite value of the guys that we've talked about and just going based off of their current prices i think i'd rather have gasecki over guys like hayden hurst over higby over jared cook and you know some of the other guys that we've talked about so far yeah i mean he's he's priced much more appropriately at least right now he is so if that continues that that's something that i'm going to be investing heavily in so let's talk about these last two guys that we have here tight end 11 now this is this we get really different here over the next two okay (laughs) now one i need you to explain to me 
what did Hunter Henry do to you? Who hurt you? Okay, because I have Hunter Henry at tight end eight. You have Hunter Henry at tight end nineteen. Can I, I need you to try to explain that to me? Because last year he finished with eighty percent, eighty percent snap share, seventy three point nine percent route participation. Seven deep targets, 18% of the targets are target share, 55 receptions, 652 yards, five touchdowns, 12.3 fantasy points per game. He was 11.9 yard per reception was 11th. His 8.6 yard per target was 9th. He was also 14th of fantasy points per route run. Now, you may say, Kevin, Kevin, wait a second. That was with Phillip Rivers. Tyrod's here. So, I went and I was like, well, let me go look with Tyrod's three years in Buffalo whenever he had Charles Clay, who I think we could agree Hunter Henry is a better player than Charles Clay is, right? Anyways, Charles Clay in 2015 played 13 games. He was tied in 17 and 13 games, 75 targets, which was second most on the team, 51 receptions, 528 yards, three touchdowns. 2016, he had 87 targets, which was most in the, uh, the, the most on the team. He earned only 15 games. Had 552 yards, four touchdowns. And then he had 74 targets, 49 receptions, 558 yards, two touchdowns. Now, like I said, I feel like that Charles Clay is definitely a much better player. Or Charles Clay. Hunter Henry is a much better player than Charles Clay is. And I, I think that I think that he still probably finds himself, which not to mention the fact that this the, that this this division that he's in, is, I think is going to take a step forward. I think this is a team that's going to have to throw the ball a little more. I know they're going to try to lean on their defense. That is one of the best in the league. But I think Hunter Henry uh, gets his, and I think I, at the very least, I think he can match what he did last year, and he still was what. Uh, 10th and fantasy points per game that, you know, I don't know what there's not to like. So at 19, that's like, he's going to get like 300 yards and two touchdowns. Like, is he going to get hurt after two weeks? Are you, or, you know, three or four weeks or something? Is that what you're projecting? I'm not project. I mean, he is yet to play, uh, to play a full 16, right? Uh, the, what is stopping me from having him higher is just the fact that I do think that Anthony Lennon and the Chargers are just going to want to run the ball and lean on that defense and just ask the quarterback in the passing game to do as little as possible. I think it's going to be kind of like a, a similar situation to um, what the Titans were. I mean, obviously they don't have a Derrick Henry kind of running back, but I think it's going to be a a, a situation where they're trying to slow the slow the plays down, slow the, slow the pace down, lean on the defense, and just – get like just split the they're gonna have to divvy up that work obviously and uh with with the with the running backs but i think there's also you have to take into consideration keenan allen mike williams also there um eckler hell of a pass catcher and what he does in the receiving game just completely vaulted him to to fantasy stardom last year so i i just don't see the i don't see the volume um and that there are other guys where i i see an easier path to targets uh, ahead of him not really taking anything away from the player himself because I do like Hunter Henry you know as a as a player and as a talent in the NFL but I just I I think we're going to be looking at a at a pretty boring offense to watch with uh, with the Chargers and it's going to be if that defense stays healthy on paper they are one of the best defenses in the league if that defense can stay healthy and play up to what their talent level is um, I think that's what Anthony Lynn is banking on, and I just think we see a, a, a just a low volume offense in terms of the passing game. And I think uh, Hunter Henry is going to be the third target uh, in the in, the, in that target totem pole at best, possibly even fourth, depending on how they split that up. So 
that's why I have him so low. But if you could, you can basically take tight end fucking 13 down to 23. Just let me put my hand in the bag, pull out a name. And like, I'm going to be fine with it. So for, for Hunter Henry, like I said, that's, that's where I'm sitting is I just don't think that that's going to be a, be a high volume. I think it's going to be a slow paced offense. And I think they're just going to try and lean on defense and, uh, and win games that way. Well, all that's true. I still don't think it's going to be tough for him with his 600 yards and five touchdowns to match that. Um, that's, Right in line to with pretty much what Charles Clay did back whenever they were he was in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. I do think that there's an opportunity we see Justin Herbert sometime this year as well. Uh, we'll see on that, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I just thought I was, I was like, Whoa, like, what did Hunter Henry do to you? Like, have you drafted him? He's gotten hurt the last couple of years, but uh, actually, I'm, I'm not sure if I've if I've ever had Hunter Henry on a team that I'm thinking about it, but like I said, I mean, there, there's just guys ahead of him where I can see them getting to basically all you need to be a tight end one in the NFL for fantasy purposes, like 50 for 500 and like two or three, you get to that and you're basically going to be a back end tight end one. Well, he was, but, he was, he was tight in eight last year. Like I said, with 650 yards and five touchdowns, like that is not exciting whatsoever. And that's what, what got him there. Hey, it can happen. But uh, if he, if he's going to tight end one, uh, tight end 21 or tight end 19, whatever you have him at, I'm fucking all about it. Like, smash that button for me. Like, I I will be all aboard Hunter Henry there if I can get him at that rate. But what about uh, tight end ten at eight oh seven? In um, according to Fantasy Football Calculator and Best Ball tens, uh, tight end eight with an ADP of ninety five point nine. That I probably I don't know. Uh, I I would consider it. Uh, I don't hate that. I don't think I don't think that's egregious for him. Um, I just think there's again. I'm much more of a late round tight end guy. Like I would much rather take my tight end later. Uh, if I'm not going to take Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or George Kittle, then I'm just going to wait until the 10th, 11th, 12th round to grab a tight end and uh, you know and go and move on from there. Because I don't think there's a huge difference between the tight end eight and the tight end 15. Uh, you know, to be honest with you. So in terms of upside when you're drafting, so let's move on to the other one where there's another massive gap between the two of them. Janu, which, of course, I'm team Janu. I've been Janu all offseason, and I have him at tight end 7, which is probably hot for some people. And then you have him at tight end 21. Almost not even a tight end 2. Yeah, um, I was talking about every time I pull up the the Fantasy Pros platform, I keep moving these guys around. I did move him up to tight end 17. So, Well, that is the disrespect Oh, my man, Janu. So I've talked about him a ton over the last couple of, you know, really the last month. I don't really need to go further in depth really that much on it. I think that he takes a big step forward. He's still only 24 years old. I think there's still opportunity to grow here. Despite the fact that he ran 24% or 74% of the snaps, uh, he only ran a route on 48% of those. And then he only had 11% target share. Um, his seven, he averaged seven fantasy points per game, which was 21st. He finished with 439 yards, 35 receptions. But there was, there is some positive signs with him. He was number three in fantasy points per target, number 10 in fantasy points per route. Um, and he was also, uh, eighth with, uh, yards per reception at 12.5. So there's a lot to like with John New Smith. I think he's super athletic. I do think, like I've said before, I, I, I do, I anticipate this, this Titans offense, um, having to throw a little bit more. I think that the, at worst, he's the number two target in this offense behind uh, A.J. Brown. Um, so there's a lot to like here. I think he, like, you, you know, we saw it last year. They even were using him a little bit at running back. 
So mm-hmm. um, I think he's a very vol- uh, versatile guy and somebody I really like. And like I've said before, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the top five tight end this year. I think he has that in him. I think that range of outcome is certainly there. And so I really like Sinjanu. Maybe I'm just a Titans hater, man. I, I I don't know. But to me, I I look at Mike Vrabel and he looks exactly like the kind of coach I would expect to be like, we're just going to stick with exactly what we did last year. To hell with all this passing. We're going to be defense and running game. And I don't care if we fall behind double digits because the running game and the defense will get us right back into it. Well, everybody so, has a plan to get punched in the mouth, right? And that, and that what happens. Like everybody, that may be what you want to do. That's my problem with them is I don't think that's what they're going to be able to do. Um, I, 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 I don't see. think their defense is as good, and I think that that um, which is a problem, which we'll talk about next week. I can't wait to get to next week to talk about running back because uh, I'm ready to talk about Derrick Henry and his egregious ADP right now and where people are, are ranking him and everything else because I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think he's probably the most volatile player in the entire draft. But we'll talk about that next week uh, on Tuesday, but or on Monday, right? Yeah. Anyway, yep. keep going. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at last year, what four? I think tight end one weeks, and you know he two- was another guy that late, late, late the, he came on later the year, um, which is true because that that was kind of my one of the first things with him was like, well, he, I mean, he had that that he was the tight end one in that offense for like weeks. Right, because Der- uh, Delaney Walker got hurt early in the year, and he didn't really do anything with it. Once that offense really started humming, is whenever he really started to come on. Yeah, I mean those those last what last four weeks. So starting week fourteen, tight end eleven, tight end six, tight end ten, and then you know week seventeen against Houston, which hopefully you're not playing then, and if you are, <laughs> hopefully you didn't uh, play Johnny because that was a uh, tight end fifty five with a big old gooser. Week seventeen, so I, I don't know. I mean, I I I get what you're saying with you know everyone has a plan to like get punched in the mouth, but I just feel like Vrabel will just be like, I guess I just have to swing harder. Like <laughs> I I don't need to really you know duck and try and you know change my change my stance here. You know, try and do something different. <laughs> I, I just need to wind up and see if I can hit back a little bit harder. I mean, he didn't he didn't have over he only had three weeks where he ran over 20 routes. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just must be a hater. I just can't buy into this offense. And it's because it, it sets up really nicely for him, right? Because you basically have A.J. Brown. Corey Davis, I, I think, is – I'm hoping that he's one of those change of scenery guys and he goes somewhere else and he can he can start to pick up to where, you know, what we what the majority of us thought he was going to be. But outside of that, there's not a lot of competition for targets. I'm completely on board with you. I don't think this defense is what it appeared to be last year. Um, I think that falls off a little bit. But then you're going to have the fall off from Ryan Tannehill as well, because I don't think he is what we saw with you know with his crazy run. And you know we talked about that earlier uh, earlier this week. So that that's just one where I, I that's he, he's a guy who I'm going to be who I'm going to be passing on. Um, but with his ADP tight end 16 at 1309, he's one of those guys where if you do draft him, he's going to be, he's going to be someone who's easily, uh, wavered out. You know what I mean? You can just kind of drop him and pick someone up and just play the, uh, the waiver game with the, with the tight end position this year. Yeah, but he's going to be a top five tight end and we're going to. We're gonna circle back to this later, but uh, nuts on the table, baby. Yeah, Let's hey, go. Yeah, yes, you gotta do. You gotta put them out there. So, uh, Johnny's for tight end seven. Anyways, 
So that pretty much that rounds out our the consensus top twelve that we have uh, for tight end. So let's just jump. We're gonna kind of move around here a little bit. Some of these other guys, because like I said, I mean to be honest with you, I mean Noah Fant, Austin Hooper, you know uh, Blake Jarwin, Ian Thomas, like all these guys are tight ends that I would that I really like as kind of the late round tight ends. But let's talk about a couple of them first. Let's talk about Rob Gronkowski. I, I do want to talk about him. We both have him at tight end fourteen. I know some people have him uh, ranked higher than that, and for me, that's a little that's a little bit much, right? Like he's going like which is ridiculous to me. Six oh seven on fantasy football calculator. Six oh seven. Get all the way the fuck out of here on that. <laughs> Okay, like, I get it. I totally get it. It's Rob Gronkowski, right? And the name and the, the Tom Brady connection. But this isn't the New England Patriots, right? This ha- you know, this team has Mike Evans. This team has Chris Godwin. There's so many more options here. And the, not to mention the fact that he missed a year of football, which I don't think is that big of a deal. I think this could actually possibly help him a little bit. But let's go back to his, you know, his last year in 2018. He was eighth in fantasy points per game that year. He played 92% of the snaps, 72 targets, 16% target share, uh, 25% end zone target share, 47 receptions, 682 yards, only three touchdowns. His 14.5 yards per reception was fifth, and he was had a he was sixth in uh, yards per target. But he was 24th in fantasy points per route and 18th uh, for fantasy points per target, right? I don't think he plays that. I don't even think he, he plays that, that amount. He's, he's definitely, I don't think, playing 92% of the snaps. I think he's, he's a situational guy. They still have O.J. Howard who's there. And so unless they move on from O.J. Howard, um, I still think that, uh, and I know they've talked about playing a lot of 12 personnel uh, as well there, which uh, I don't love because I think that would push Chris Godwin out of the slot. But um, regardless, I don't think he sees that kind of that, that sees, sees that kind of workload. I don't think he. I, I guess he could get somewhere close to the seventy-two targets. I don't know. Like I, I just do not love that. I, I think he's a borderline tight end one at best because it doesn't take a ton to get to that point. I don't know. Like I think that's way too risky for me. Six round, get the fuck out of here. That like that is way too high. Um, if he was going tenth, eleventh round, I'd be I'd be a little bit better with that. But sixth round is, is just too much for me. So I don't know what to expect from him, like I said. But I feel like that you're going to see much less targets. I think he plays somewhere in the 50, 50 to 60% of the, of the snaps. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, man, that, that does not make any sense to me whatsoever. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around that. Um, he has that high ADP, like you said, on Fantasy Football Calculator. Uh, Fantasy Pros Consensus Rankings has him as tight end 11. I have him on that fringe as well, just like you mentioned. I have him down at tight end 14. So this is just going to be a case of if he is going to pay – like, first of all, I don't think there's any way that he pays off his his current ADP at 607 whatsoever. But if he's going to get there, it's going to have to be one of those, like, 40-catch, 500-yard, like, 10-touchdown kind of seasons. Like, you're going to have to hope that he's basically, like – Tom Brady is just locked onto him in the red zone and like nobody else is eating in the red zone except Gronk. Cause I think that's the only way that he's going to do that with that 12 personnel. Obviously you're going to be bringing in another tight end, whether that's bright or OG, OG Howard, man, he should change his name. That'd be, that'd be sick. Uh, OJ Howard, uh, obviously one of those other guys also going to be involved in you. Like we, we talked about this, uh, during the quarterback, um, during the quarterback show, but Evans and Godwin are around him as well. So he's going to be surrounded by better talent. The last time we saw him, he looked dusty. 
I, to, to the point where I remember in the in the Super Bowl when he had that one, it was like a 30, 40-yard catch. And I was just like, where the hell did this come from? Because he definitely did not look like this for the majority of the year. If you go back and look at some of his game logs, um, you know, started the season off, you know, pretty, pretty Gronk-esque, went seven for 123 and one. But then after that, you're looking at two for 15, four for 51, uh, you know, I mean, a couple other lower games in there. And it's like, I'm just not betting on, I, I do think that year away could, like, was definitely going to be helpful for his body. But if you look at the pictures between when he retired and between when he came back, like, that, like that's not going to be easy for someone just to start throwing on weights and to start to put on, like, he looked like he lost 30, 40 pounds. So for him, in order for him to get there, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I just can't buy in at that ADP. There are guys who are like, I'd rather either take one of the top three or four guys in this, you know, second, third round, or just completely wait versus spending that capital on him. That is, uh, that is not a pick I can get behind whatsoever. I'm right there with you. I just, I just think that is egregious, to be honest with you. So let's 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 kind of wrap this up. Let's talk about a couple of our late round titans. Now, John New Smith was one of them, but we've already talked about him. For me, so I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about my two real quick. About these are like really late tight ends. These are guys that I would probably monitor. Guys you probably aren't gonna draft, but I do think that that could end up having some fantasy goodness by the end of the year, right? For me, the first one is one that probably nobody's going to know who it is. And there are t- I'm sure there's some dynasty guys out there that would, but uh, your typical redraft person probably does not know who Cahill Waring is, who plays for the Houston Texans. He was drafted in the third round, but a really um, a pretty athletic tight end. He ran a 4.6740, which is 80th percentile, has an 83rd uh, speed score. 85th percentile burst score did not play at all last year right but i think he has the opportunity to step in and be the tight the starting tight end this season we've we already kind of know about the you know everything else that's going on there with that team the the walking rehab unit that that is with will fuller and brandon cooks (laughs) so you know i think that there he is kind of that uh really deep late tight end that i would just kind of keep it on he's still he's 20 he just turned 23 a couple of months ago 6'5 252 but um, somebody that I, that I, I really like, and I think that could uh, kind of turn some heads here, it's just somebody that I would kind of keep in the back of my mind, kind of monitor a little bit um, here. And then the other one for me is, you know, I got to stay on brand, is Dan Arnold. Um, I was thrilled to see that they did not bring in another tight end. He is going, uh, I have him ranked at tight end 26. So again, um, but I think he has an opportunity to carve out a little bit of a role here. Uh, in this offense, I don't think it's going to be anything extensive. I think that he can have some boom weeks, but uh, I do think that he in inside the red zone is somebody that is that can be looked at for some targets. They did bring in Max Williams as well last year, but he is much more of that blocking tight end, where Dan Arnold is much more of that receiving tight end. I, I like Dan Arnold, and I think that I. He was never really given a fair shake in New Orleans. He did have some issues with laps and judgment. Um, sometimes would run the wrong routes, and obviously Drew Brees isn't going to play that. So that's why they were they moved on from him. But I think everything is there for Dan Arnold. He is an athletic tight end, uh, much more of that pass-catching tight end. So I really like Dan Arnold, and uh, he caught a couple touchdowns late in the year last year once he got traded over to, um, to Arizona. 
So, I, again, I think this is an offense that kind of takes a big step forward. But, you know, like I said, uh, he ran a 4.6840, but he has a 97th percentile burst score, a 94th percentile agility score, and a 95th percentile catch radius. He's still only 25 years old, just turned 25, 6'5", 222, so he's built much more um, like that receiving tight end. But, he only, like I said, he only played in five games last year. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that he's kind of that guy that I'm just going to kind of keep my eye on and somebody that could end up um, having a little bit more of a role than people would think. Yeah, I like that call. We've seen the the Texans over the past couple of years searching for that tight end that could, you know what I mean, be, like to, to be that blanket Owen for... Owen Daniels? What's that? Be, be their next Owen Daniels? Yeah, there's a there's there's a blast from the past. There's a, there's a little blasty blast. From the past, as as they say, um, no, but I, I do like that for for all the for all the reasons you mentioned. And I think if if they can get the one guy instead of the three or four tight ends who always just to basically just kind of go back and forth and trade off weeks of being fantasy relevant, um, you know, he he has a he has a real shot. But I do just want to say real quick so we don't forget this: we need T-shirts made with a uh, walking rehab unit with maybe some like Avi looking things of. Uh, of the of the Texans uh, receiving core, I just want to make sure we get that on. Uh, we we put that down on vinyl so we don't forget that because uh, you you might be onto something there. Um, the the guys that I'm going to bring to the board here, uh, hey, you stayed on brand. I'm going to stay on brand for myself and for the for the podcast in general. Um, Chris Herndon, I'm going going to go back to that well one more time. Uh, you know we we kept talking about him last year and seemed like every single waiver show like all right hey listen apparently he was you know he was a little banged up again but this is going to be the week Herndon tight end one for your waiver pickup and it just never happened uh but if we go back to 2018 uh from week six to 16 Herndon was tight end six uh during that time he was also seventh in air yards uh with that group, with that t- you know that the the top seven in the in the air yards, he led that group in a dot. Um, if you look at what's going on with the Jets, obviously they brought in our boy Denzel Mims, but outside of that, it's Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, maybe possibly whatever Gase is going to do with him, um, and then that do that that defense, especially if uh, if Jamal Adams gets gets traded, that defense is still not going to be good. So that's a team that's going to have to throw the ball. And I think with that, with that connection that we saw, Herndon should be able to pick up where he left off from. So he's somebody that, that I'm definitely interested in. Um, and according to Fantasy Football, Football Calculator, he doesn't even have an ADP right now. So he's, he's not on anybody's radar. Um, going over to Best Ball 10s, he is tight end 22 with an ADP of close to 160. So he's a he's a late round guy that you can definitely get on the cheap and not have to spend a lot of capital on. Frankly, you're probably not even going to have to draft him in your drafts to begin with. He's just going to be a guy to always keep an eye on when it comes up time for, for waivers. Uh, the other guy that I will talk about, Eric Ebron, obviously joining the Steelers. Again, like the Texans, that's a team that's been searching for that tight end position to be able to give them that, you know, give them that weapon in the middle and down the seam. I think Ebron can definitely do that. He has his his issues with his hands and the concentration drops and things like that. But again, it's a it's another unsettled kind of situation where it's Juju, a bunch of kind of receivers, maybe one of them uh, can kind of jump up, jump up 
Jump. Jump. Hold on. Just restart him. Shut it down. Turn it back off. Blow it. And then we should be okay. Okay. Hopefully one of those guys from that group can jump atop the depth chart and be the, the wider, a clear wide receiver too. But if they don't, I think uh, Eric Ebron stands to be the, the beneficiary from that. And um, I, 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 he's a guy who I can see how we were talking about with Gronk needing to get to like that tight, that 10 touchdown kind of platform to pay off his ADP. I could easily see Eric Ebron living in that seven to 10 touchdown range with, uh, with the Steelers. Um, they've, they've been searching for a guy like that since Heath Miller roamed these streets out here in the Berg. So uh, that, that is a guy that I am definitely buying into. Uh, he does have an ADP over a fantasy football calculator coming off uh, boards at 1405 sandwiched in between Blake Jarwin and OJ Howard as tight end 19. So those are guys that uh, for late round purposes that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And I don't think either, obviously Herndon especially, but I don't think Ebron starts to to rocket up uh, draft boards at all, unless there's maybe like an, an injury somewhere to the, to the Steelers wide receiver group. But outside of that, um, there, there's just a lot of these late round guys who, you know, who both of us like, and it's just one of those things like we've been talking about this whole time. You could see any of these guys going from as hot, you know, as high as like tight end nine, all the way down to tight end 20. So were there, uh, were there any other guys that you wanted to mention quickly before we get out of here? Uh, no, not really. I, like I said, I think that uh, there's a lot of, I mean, like I already mentioned, Noah Fant, absolute yeah. love. I think that he has a tremendous upside as well in this heading into his second year. We know you love Jack Doyle, but I think he's probably a very underrated target right now as well. And then I think Blake Jarwin should be a little bit interesting. Ian Thomas, another guy in that group that um, I think that, that deserves some look. Um, I also think Dawson Knox is kind of low-key. Um Again, not a, not a, not anybody that I would draft. Somebody that unless you're like in a 16 team league or something like that. But I think Dawson Knox uh, could end up being um, more involved in that offense than what people uh, are anticipating there. Um, and, you know, in his second season as well. So uh, I think that that's pretty much it. Those are kind of my favorite. You know, if I if I had to draft late in the draft, um, those are kind of the guys that I'm looking at. Um, I do. I don't necessarily understand the love behind T.J. Hawkinson. For uh, I know you have him as tight end eleven inside your top twelve, but outside of the one week, that's all he did. I know he got hurt last year. Yeah. I know he's a tremendous talent, but um, I think you know if, if he's somebody that's going later in draft, somebody that I can get you know in that thirteenth, fourteenth round, something like that, and I want to take a shot on somebody. I think he does have a lot of upside because we've talked about how much I love. Uh, Matt Stafford and that entire offense, and you know some of that when he came back, you know without Stafford really played a role probably in some of his production as well. But I, you know, I think I like T.J. Hawkinson's long-term outlook, but I'm just not sure what it is this year. And it could be one of those guys, sort of like we saw with Kasicki and some of these other guys, where they start off cold and by the end of the year they really start coming on. So he might be one of those guys that's really a hot waiver wire guy, not somebody that I would necessarily look to draft. So. Yeah, and you uh, you hit it right on the head with his ADP uh, tight end fourteen at thirteen oh four. That that that's where he is currently going over at FF Calc. What are you? What are, real quick? Tell me your thoughts on on Austin Hooper. Obviously, he was one of the big uh, one of the first fr- big free agent pieces to to kind of land there in Cleveland. What are you doing with him, and where do you have him currently ranked? I have been tied in 13. Again, here's another guy that you just, you know, 
he's just dead. But uh, I, I think, I think that he could end up. I think there is still a path for him to finish this uh, right around where he finished last year. He, right now, I mean, you look at this offense. I know this is a completely different offense in terms of volume. I don't think this offense. I think one, the Browns' defense is much better than what the Falcons. Are. I don't think the the path volume is going to be there as much. However, I mean, right now, I mean, who does who's Cleveland have? Right, they have Odell. They have Jarvis Landry, and then obviously Kareem Hunt's still there. David Njoku's still there, but I but the money they paid Austin Hooper, he's definitely the starting tight end, and I, I think that he ends up probably finishing third in targets on that offense. Now the biggest question is, can Blake or uh, Blake can Baker Mayfield take a step forward and bounce back after the atrocious uh, second year that he had last year? I think that he can. I think he comes in somewhere closer to thirty touchdowns this year, uh, passing which would be a big upgrade from the 22 I believe he had last year. I think he becomes a little I, – I think as a whole, getting rid of Freddie Kitchens, I think this entire offense kind of turns out to be much more of what we thought it was going to be heading into last year because a lot of the stuff we're saying about the Browns' offense now is a lot of the stuff that we were saying last year. I think there's a path for Austin Hooper certainly to be a tight end one. I think he still could end up being a tight end five. I think he's that good of a tight end. I had him down at 13 because I have a little bit of reservation of, of volume because I do think that this is a team that's going to want to try to run the football with Nick Chubb and, with, you know, and get Kareem Hunt involved. And so for me, I, I, I just don't think the volume is, is, is definitely is not going to be there as much as it was. So I think maybe he falls back down to maybe 80, 90 targets, something in that range, maybe 100. I think 100 is probably fair for him. And, you know, I think that that knocks him down a little bit. But, I mean, the dude was a monster last year. We kind of saw it coming. Obviously a different offense. But so that's why I kind of have him right around as a borderline tight end one. I think there is a, uh, I think there is a chance that um... – David Njoku outscores Austin Hooper. Like I don't, I don't think it'll be that that crazy if if that ends up happening. Say that again. Could you say that one more time? Hashtag nuts on the table. I think there is a legitimate chance that David Njoku outscores Austin Hooper for fantasy purposes. You, you're just gonna throw that out there. Or are you are you waiting for me to say? Tell me more. No, I don't think there needs to be anything else said. I think uh, Njoku is the is the more athletic tight end. I understand what they paid Hooper, but I I think in terms of athletic talent and what we're looking for in terms of the tight end position, I think if we were to line those two up and not look at production, if you're just to look at their athletic profile, you are going to pick David Njoku a million times out of a million. And I think that there there is a there is a legitimate chance that Njoku outscores Austin Hoop Hoop. Let me ask you a question. Briefs. Why don't you have David Njoku ranked ahead of Austin Hooper then? So I said there's a chance. Hashtag nuts on the table hedge life. <laughs> nuts on the hedge here, baby. Only the left ball, not the right ball. We only got one ball there. We haven't quite got we're, a custom. It's we're, we're split sack. This is where we're at right now with the show. We're at so we're talking about which, <laughs> which balls on the table. What the fuck? You're welcome. You're welcome, audience, to hear this. You are. You are welcome. Hey man, I'm, I'm just putting a putting a performance on for for Carl Jr. the uh, the Emmy Award winner who's rocking with us in the uh, in the YouTube chat right now. Oh, I thought that was like Hardy's. Like uh, maybe Hardy's was tuning in. Maybe a little sponsorship, you know? <laughs> that is uh, that is one David Berger from the famed Kamikaze podcast, who, like I said, is a three time, three time, three time Emmy Award winner. 
Well, I didn't realize we were among, uh, you know, royalty. Uh, among, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't got nothing else to say. Then I'm out. I mean, we, we shouldn't. We, we should. We cannot say anything bad, you know, against uh, DB, if you will. But no, I, I, I do think that is a uh, that is a that, that actually has a, a a chance of happening. I, I think if we are to believe that Stefanski is going to bring kind of what we saw at Minnesota to Cleveland running more of 12 personnel. I, you know I mean? I think that could, that could very well um, benefit David and Joku and we could see him running freely as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Austin Hooper. If, 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 <laughs> I'm an idiot. I was going to say, if, Ifs and buts were fruits and nuts. It'd be Christmas every day. That's what I was trying to say. But the, the if the if was throwing me off because I knew the if was coming. So, it, you know, Tyler Johnson. I was going to anyway. say, I, I, may, I thought maybe you got a text from uh, from Debro just said Tyler Johnson. Yeah, it's just, it's just my kryptonite. That's just all you got to throw that in. It just throws me off. So, anyways, all right. Well, I think that's pretty much all the conversation we can have about tight ends. Uh, an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, that is a lot of talk about tight ends. So, I uh, really appreciate everybody checking out the show. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like and subscribe button. Really helps us grow. It's you know it says right there in the bottom right hand of your your screen. Um, really appreciate everybody checking it out. If you're listening on podcast, uh, you know. Think about rating and review. I know th- I know some of you haven't hit, hit that, okay? Some of you guys haven't done it. Some of you have not rated the show. If you could, I'd appreciate it. It, it helps us out. It takes you a couple minutes, you know? And, and maybe, uh, you know, like I said, maybe we'll uh, give away some, some T-shirts or something like that. Some nuts on the table. That's what we need to do is nuts on the table. Hashtag nuts on the table T-shirts, right? That 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 would be dope to get some of those, right? The, the TFA brand. It's no longer T- hashtag TFA fam. It's now hashtag nuts on the table. Hey, sometimes you got to rebrand, and sometimes it's for the better. You know what I mean? Hey, you know that, that's what you know. That's how uh, million dollar corporations are formed. That's that's what those will change completely. <laughs> uh, just a hashtag nuts on the table. So, anyways, tell us your hashtag nuts on the table take for this season, won't you? Down in the comments, or reach out to us on Twitter, or you can hit us up in our Slack. That's absolutely free. Again, you can find that down below. Where you know you can let us know what your nuts on the table take is for this year, your uh, your hot take, if you will. We're just rebranding it to nuts on the table. So uh, you know, if you listen to last week or uh, Tuesday night show, which came out today, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about with that because we uh, you had, went on a little rant at the end of the podcast about that. So, anyways, with that, I think we will see you guys again on Monday when we talk about running backs, the stuff that you guys probably really want to hear. We'll talk about top 12 running backs, then we'll move over into the, the uh, later in the week. We'll, we'll go a little bit deeper, if you will. We will. <laughs> so with that, I'm Kevin Steele. That's Cody Kutzer. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyRath13, which you probably already are. And you can follow Cody. And let's be honest, can we get Cody to 1,000 followers, guys? Can we do that? Like I like I feel like I have too much clout over here. Okay, like he is he's been riding sub one k for way too long, and the, the guy like if he's gonna be on this podcast, he's gotta have a thousand subscribers. Like I only I only deal with thousand subs. Okay, that's the only. <laughs> anyway, let the ass get out of here. All right, I'll see you guys again next week. We hope you enjoy your stay. It's good to have. For the day, we hope you enjoy your stay. Outside the sun is shining, seems like every
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.